Welcome to another episode of This Engineering Life, the undergraduate series. I am Rebecca Simmons, an associate professor of the practice in mechanical engineering and material science at Duke University. I'm joined with Priya, Sydney, Fran, Grant, and Rena, all undergraduate engineering students also at Duke University. This episode is about animals on campus. And we've got some pretty unique stories ranging from a pet rat to a friendly dog that's seen on campus to Engineering 101, the first year engineering design class that involves a project for a dog and also stories and interviews with the Duke Canine Center. Thank you for joining us. Hey guys, it's Priya. I'm here with Keith and Nugget outside of Wu on this fine day. Just talking to them about their experiences with Duke. Say hi to Nugget. Say hi, Nugget. <laughs> you hear that heavy panting? Yeah, that's Nugget. <laughs> so just wanted to start out by asking how you guys became affiliated with Duke, kind of your history with Duke. Okay. You can talk about that. All right. Um, well, I attended Duke um, and graduated in 1972. Then um, I got a job as a uh, reporter and editor for the Durham Herald Sun Papers and retired at the end of 2016. Nugget and I started coming to campus in 2012, the year after she was born. And uh, we could only come on the weekends those first few years because I was still working full time. After I retired at the end of 2016, we started coming almost every day and have been doing that since. So this is our volunteer work. I don't think Nugget looks at it that way. It's all just fun for her. And she has so many friends. As you'll see, in the next few minutes, people just stop by, you know. And yeah. this is a, a good place to sit because people are coming from all directions. So uh, that's how it started. But I've been affiliated sort of with Duke for all my life because my father went to Duke. He's a Duke grad, was a Duke grad. He uh, attended undergrad here and Duke Law School. And then he uh, practiced law in Durham for 45 years. Many of my uncles, aunts, and cousins went to Duke. And uh, my aunt's father was Card, C-A-R-D. Card Jim is, is named after him. Oh, wow. So I have lots of affiliations with Duke. That's amazing. So anyway, now that I've retired, I have time to bring her every day. And we just consider this part of our day. So a Nugget uh, gets a lot out of it, and um, the students seem to, and therefore I do too. Nugget, come back. Very active today. Yeah, she's full of energy today. I think <laughs> as the weather is getting cooler, her energy level is going up, which is usually the way it works. Ah. She, uh, during the summer, the hot, humid summer, she had very little energy. She's always drained. But now, she's come back to life. <laughs> That's good. Uh, next question. I know you guys come to a lot of our dorm events. I remember one of my favorites from last year was Nuggets with Nugget. We had a uh, Chick-fil-A Nuggets and Nugget came by. Yeah, so what are some of your favorite Duke activities that you've come to and showed up to? Have you come to any of the games? Some of your well, favorite Duke events? Sometimes before the Duke basketball or football games, we'll go to Kville and just interact with students before they go into the game. 
but she's not allowed in into Camarillo <laughs> Football Stadium, so we're not able to do that. Uh, but, but to answer your question a little bit further, it wasn't exactly a formal activity, but yesterday we had a Halloween photo shoot. Aww. I have a hat with a pumpkin on it, and uh, <laughs> Nug Nugget was wearing that. And so we did photos over here with the clock tower in the mm -hmm. background, over here with the arches, further down with the Duke sign, and an able quad with the chapel in the background. And <laughs> I, so I did some editing last night to find the best ones, and I'll be sending those out on Halloween to people I have emails for. So that's an important part because every holiday, we I have a special hat for every holiday of the year. <laughs> so I'll, let's see, I'll start with Halloween. Halloween, these are all separate hats with the, the holiday themes. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year, Easter, 4th of July. I don't miss something, but those are the main ones. That's so So cute. I recruited Duke students to be my photographer, which I did last night. And it, they turned out well. Out of 100 photos, I found two that are good enough to send out. <laughs> but that's usually the, the ratio. It's like out of every 50, I might have one. It's, you know, really good. I mean, um, as far as other activities, this is our main one, just sitting here, or, you know, we were at Kville a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. But like you said, we have had, in addition to the Nuggets with Nuggets that, that you went to, we've had several in previous years that RAs have organized. Thank you. If you hold your hand out, she'll shake for you. She actually apparently heard me say that. So smart. Uh, no, no, Nugget, come back. Guess you haven't finished. Say Nugget Shake. Nugget Shake. <laughs> You're so smart. How much uh, clothing do you have, like, Nugget themed? This is not Yeah, really I was nugget. wondering that this too. This is a miracle when I got this on Amazon. But I have a t-shirt that really oh, is Nugget. Yeah, yeah I think that's Nugget. Yes, it's a short sleeve shirt. Yeah. I've got three of those, two whites and one black. I <laughs> used to made about four years ago. Oh. She made several hundred of them. It was a drawing based on a photo of Nuggets. It really is Nugget. Uh -huh. And uh, she sold, I bought four from her. I sent one to a friend in California and kept three. I still got those three. She sold a whole bunch of them around campus. Oh my and gosh. then you bought her surplus one day, gave them away free here. Aww. And I was sitting on the bench one day and this student came by running. He said, I got to get a Nugget shirt quick before they're gone. So about five minutes later, I saw him returning. He was really sad with no shirt. Aww. He said that they had just run out. How old is Nugget? Nugget is 11. She had her 11th birthday on this very bench on July. Even though it was summer school, I got uh, 12 uh, new students uh, attended the party. My present to her was a grilled chicken breast from Cookout. <laughs> and two students brought her a green apple. So she ended up with two green apples and an entire chicken breast in her stomach that night. And I'm so, so glad it didn't end up on my living room floor. <laughs> Another thing the uh, student made was a keychain engraved in wood, and her face engraved in wood. But no one ever sees it because I just keep it. And a tote bag. I forgot wow. that. She made tote bags, shirts, and keychains. Wow. The t-shirts are by far the most popular. Have you gotten other student gifts like art or... Uh... Oh, you have a hat? student gave me this hat for Christmas, Aww. Christmas before last. That's so cool. This is not Nugget, but it's a, it's a golden retriever. <laughs> and you guys live really close to campus, like I walking distance? I live about distance. five minutes from here. I live on Maureen Road at Forest Oaks Townhomes. Do you guys walk or drive here? No, I drive. I have an alumni pass, a uh, parking pass that gets me into the card lot. 
um, after 5 p.m., which oh, is one nice. reason I needed to make it after 5 um, and all day on the weekends. You guys come every day? Try to come every day unless it's raining. That's now, great. on the weekends, we like to go to East Campus so the freshmen don't feel ignored. <laughs> and uh, we did do that this past weekend and Aww. the weekend before that. So she'll sit outside of Marketplace and act like she's the Walmart greeter, <laughs> say hello to people as they come in. And this past weekend, it was uh, Parents Weekend. So yeah. a lot of parents stopped and played with her. <laughs> she had a surgery last semester, right? Um, she's had a surgery to remove a cyst on her back mm -hmm. and uh, a few other cysts, you know, during her life. She scraped up her left ear about six weeks ago, probably about being in those bushes over there. <laughs> and it was probably infected. The vet says it most likely was, so she was on antibiotics. So the vet had to shave the hair off. If you look closely, you can see it's not fully regrown, but it's mm. way better. Than it. In fact, it's, it's close to normal now. That's good. That's the most serious surgery she's ever had. Mm. Anyway, as you can see, Nugget has many friends. Yes. Does Nugget mind the cold at all? Like during the night? She does not mind the cold. In fact, it can get down in the, there was there was a day about three years ago where the high was 19. It was during Christmas break, and I brought her over to Kville just to exercise. And when I got home, I called the vet. I said, "Was I endangering my dog because the high was only 19?" She said, "No, no problem." <laughs> I could tell she wasn't uncomfortable because she wasn't trembling. I was. <laughs> she was. You have any other uh, fun nugget stories to share? Um, yes, I guess um, last week a student brought her an apple. <laughs> a green apple right here mm -hmm. and she dragged it into those uh, weeds and ate it <laughs> and um i've actually got a video it took only a minute long does she uh take her time eating it or did no, she, she eats to it in about 60 it? seconds yeah oh, that's my amazing. dog whatever you give him he'll just swallow it whole. i do have another interesting nugget story mm -hmm. um one day we were on east campus and we were walking in front of giles dorm mm -hmm. and yeah. someone had dropped a really fat hot dog <laughs> the pavement and she almost snapped it up she tried to eat it but i pulled her away <laughs> and we went in front of marketplace for the next 45 minutes so then a student comes out with an apple and he says would nugget like the apple and i said yes this will make her work for it so i let her off leash and the student <laughs> threw it across the quad toward the library and i thought she was going after the apple instead she took a hard left and went <laughs> She, she remembered. She'd actually come back with a hot dog. She ate it on the spot because she knew she'd be in trouble oh. if she brought it back. You so that shows girl. that shows two things. One, she can be sneaky. And number two, <laughs> she has a good memory. All right. Well, You're thank you so much for talking with us. You're welcome. Hey everyone, it's Grant. I'm here with a good friend of mine, an engineering student on campus. And we're going to talk about their pet rat. Welcome, thanks for being here. Will you tell us a little bit about your animal friend? Yeah, so last year during the pandemic, I was actually in Hollows, and what was really nice is my roommate was the RA, so I really didn't have to worry about any of that touch and go things with the legalities at school because she was also all in on getting a pet. And we ended up at Petco just randomly Truly, we planned for another friend to get a snail, and then we left with a rat. That's incredible. <laughs> and that semester went really well. I didn't have to really worry at all about him, and he's very easy to take care of. Just kind of like you clean him out once a week, 
and it's very cheap, like $30 a month. That's awesome. Yeah. What made you decide on a rat? So affordability was honestly a very big factor. Also, I felt like such a small space and not always having access to the outdoors is kind of hard for other pets, so we stayed small. If you just look up online, rats easy to train, very loving and very kind, and so we decided to get Mr. Rat. That's so cute. His name is Mr. Rat? Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> Have you trained to do anything interesting? Well, Mr. Rat is not exactly the rat we thought we were going to get. <laughs> we still love him. Like, I love him. But he had a little bit of trauma in that he was a feeder rat and he was bought for that purpose. And the snake tried to eat him but he was too large. And there's a two week return policy, so he was returned. <laughs> oh my God, so um, Mr. Red's been through a lot. Yeah, and I think that may have affected his cognitive abilities a little bit. So we don't hold it against him, but he's not the smartest rat. That makes sense, that makes sense. <laughs> you were telling me earlier that you actually use some of your engineering schools to create toys for Mr. Rat. Will you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, so rats like to chew on things a lot, but they won't eat things that they know aren't good for them. And so PLA is a great tool to make rat toys. And so I just use my little SolidWorks knowledge and I like to 3D print him toys and bridges to keep him a little excited. That's so fun, <laughs> and he'll play with them? Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool. And I guess it's helped to have a roommate who's totally on board with you having a pet as well. <laughs> That's true. Well, I wouldn't say my roommate is completely on board with having Mr. Rat, but she is very kind. And we live in Havana where there are separate spaces. So Mr. Rat just stays in my room. Makes a ton of sense. Yeah. He's yeah. allowed out in the common area, but at selective times. Got it. Got it. <laughs> What advice would you give to someone who's looking to potentially get a pet in their dorm rooms? I would make sure your current and potential future roommates are okay with having a pet. It is a little tricky. Rats are not considered therapy animals at Duke, so you have to consider when RAs do checks, what are you going to do with Mr. Rat at the end of the year or when you go on Thanksgiving break, how are you going to take Mr. Rat with you home? and things like that. It's not just something to have for one semester. They live for about two to three years. So you have to consider the future as well as your present desire to get an animal. That makes a ton of sense. So is Mr. Rat going to come with you after you graduate? Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you know other people around campus that also have pets, rats or not? And what are some of the differences you think between having Mr. Rat and some of the other pets around campus? I do know a few people have pets. I would say the good thing about a rat is you can go on a two to four day trip and you don't need someone to sit for them uh. if you have a feeding system and they will be okay for that long. They would want human interaction, okay. but it's okay if you can't get someone for that amount of time, which is nice that I don't have to plan that far ahead or be stressed about finding someone. Like you have a cat or a dog, you right. need someone there to let them out or to feed them and give them water and comfort. That makes a ton of sense. 
I think it'd be really cool at some point in my life to get a dog or just an animal to have around. Sometimes it does get lonely yeah. at Duke when all of your friends have exams or other work going around. So I can totally see the appeal of having Mr. Rat or another pet on campus. It's awesome you've been able to do that. I appreciate your time. And maybe we'll have a Mr. Rat fan page in the future of the Listening Train of Life podcast. Thanks for being here. Hey guys, it's Priya. I'm here at the Duke Canine Cognition Center. Just to start out with, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? And then if you want to go ahead and get into the history of the Canine Cognition Center, kind of how it started, their mission, and what it is you guys do. Hi, my name is Gabby Bunnell. I'm the current lab coordinator at the Duke Canine Cognition Center, also the Duke Puppy Kindergarten. And yeah, essentially what we do and what we've been doing now for the past two or three years, our biggest project is the Duke Puppy Kindergarten. So we have five, sometimes seven puppies come in each semester and we do a variety of cognitive and problem solving tasks with these puppies to try to predict whether or not they're going to be good service dogs in the future. So all of the puppies that we have come from Canine Companions, which is an organization out in California that breeds and raises service dogs and assistance dogs, things like that. And they send over some of their puppies to us and we get to help raise them and study them from eight weeks old to 20 weeks old to better understand their cognition during that really critical period of development. So the past two or three years have been really focused on the puppy kindergarten and having those puppies come in from canine companions and really trying to figure out what it is in these puppies that could predict them being good service dogs. So I know I've seen some of the dogs around on campus as service dogs and trainings, and that's the same program as the puppy kindergarten. Yes. So we have our five puppies this semester, and each of those puppies has a team of dorm volunteers that basically take them after kindergarten. They pick them up from school um, here around five every weekday. And then they take them back to their dorms for the evening and feed them dinner and play with them and introduce them to all their friends and everything. (laughs) Um, And then they bring them back in the morning at nine um, for kindergarten the next day. So for the service dog puppy kindergarten program, you said you do research and you watch their behavior throughout to see if they would become a good service dog. Mm -hmm. Do they have some kind of test or how do you determine if they're fit to become a service dog? Yeah, that's basically what we're trying to figure out because as of now, it's like a 50%-ish pass rate for all of these puppies. So they breed a ton of puppies at Canine Companions in California and they put in a ton of resources into each puppy to raise them and get them up to the point where they go on to their official training and find out whether or not they're going to actually be paired with someone. So because it's like such a coin toss right now, like knowing whether or not a puppy is actually going to make it and it costs so many resources, what we're trying to do is figure out if there are any indicators early on Mm -hmm. that show maybe if they have a certain cognitive ability or maybe it's in their temperament, like if they're really chill dogs and like not too startled by like novel objects or situations. We're basically testing so many different things that like hopefully we can go back. And once we have the data on whether or not these puppies are making it in the end, we can kind of figure out if there's any early predictors so that we can save all of those resources and kind of put puppies on the right path earlier. So this part itself is more the research stage while they're a puppy and then Mm -hmm. afterwards they go on for more service dog training? Yes, exactly. And they'll get tested when they're a little bit older? Yeah, so they're with us from 8 to 20 weeks old 
and then they're with a volunteer puppy raiser until they're, I think it's about a year and a half old or up to two years. Then they go on to, they turn into a Canine Companions campus and to go through more rigorous training to see if they, you know, have what it takes <laughs> to be a service dog. <laughs> And do you guys work in conjunction with any other Duke departments or classes for data analysis or even, like you said, where you get Mm -hmm. the data from once they've grown up, if they've made it as a service dog? Are there other people you work with? Yeah, definitely a ton of people we collaborate with. Canine Companions, the organization, is obviously the biggest one. And they're the ones who are, you know, keeping us up to date on how the puppies end up doing, if they get paired with someone, etc. And this whole program is basically possible because of them. their willingness to give us their puppies from 8 to 20 weeks so that we can try to really figure out what's going on cognitively there. We also have some other labs that we work with. Herman Ponser's lab is someone that has been incorporated and we're looking into kind of energy expenditure of the puppies because Dr. Ponser does things like that with other animals. So some of our experiments have more to do with the physiology of the Mm -hmm. puppies. So we really are getting data in so many different aspects Mm -hmm. of their lives, which is really, really cool. And hopefully it can help reveal something about how they grow up and, you know, what it is that makes them end up being so important in another person's life later on. Mm -hmm. And do you know how long this program has been running? Yes. So the Duke Puppy Kindergarten was funded by the National Institute of Health, I think about two or three years ago. And it was funded for five years. So we're coming up onto that like halfway point of the study. So that's how long Duke Puppy Kindergarten has been around. But the Duke Canine Cognition Center has been around even longer when Dr. Brian Hare came here. And before the Puppy Kindergarten, they did a lot of dog tests with like just dogs in the area. We have like this huge database of dogs just in surrounding areas that can come in for various just dog cognition tests. The same things that we do with the puppies, but just with adult dogs and stuff. So Mm -hmm. they've been studying dogs here for a while. (laughs) And you said you're the lab manager. Are you a grad student, undergrad? Yeah, I actually just graduated from undergrad here. Mm -hmm. And I did some independent studies in my thesis in the lab and then just sort of stuck around Mm -hmm. (laughs) to keep helping out. But yeah, we also have four graduate students in the Mm -hmm. lab that do a lot of this work. Yeah, how big is the lab as far as staff, professors, and volunteers? Yeah, huge if you're incorporating volunteers. As for like the internal lab, it's not too big. It's just the four grad students. And then we also collaborate a lot with NC State for the Duke Puppy Kindergarten longitudinal study. So our research director and also Dr. Margaret Gruen helps a lot with it. And they're from NC State. So they're in a lot. And then in terms of the volunteers, we have like, I think over 100 at this point, because we have we have four shifts a day five puppies and we need one person per puppy nine to five every weekday plus the dorm volunteers plus alternate volunteers Mm because things happen especially with covid we don't want anyone coming in if they have Mm -hmm. any kind of Mm -hmm. symptoms so we have this like long list of like 40 or so alternate volunteers that are like ready to pounce whenever a spot opens up so we have a huge team that makes this possible and you said the puppies go home with different people every Mm -hmm. week or every few days yes so then we also have the dorm volunteers so we have like general volunteers alternate volunteers dorm volunteers also volunteers that help with our cognition testing Mm -hmm. Um, but the dorm volunteers yeah we have about four dorm volunteers per puppy and they're on like a rotation weekly rotation ish so they usually take the puppy for two nights and then they're off for like six nights Mm -hmm. so it's like two nights per eight days for each person on the team basically 
You mentioned before the interview, there's a EGR 101 project mm -hmm. working with you guys. Can you tell us about that? Yes, there is. So one of our graduate students, um, Morgan Ferens, who is actually the lab manager for the last two years, she has been working with the engineering students to basically design a kennel that the puppies can sleep in at night so that she can collect a substantial amount of sleep data on them because mm -hmm. she's really interested in puppy temperament, physiology, and how they sleep because we think that there is something really interesting to find there and like how they sleep and how that affects you know their capability mm -hmm. to do the tests that we're doing solve problems etc so she gets sleep data from both filming the puppies at night and then also they have these activity monitors they wear which are kind of like a fitbit it <laughs> just like tracks their movement mm -hmm. but the issue is they can't wear the activity monitor in the wire crate where we can film it's very hard to explain but basically mm -hmm. we can't film them and get the activity monitor data at the same time Mm -hmm. So what the engineering students are doing is they're building a safe panel that the puppies can sleep in wearing their activity monitor. And it has sort of like an opening at the top so we can also film them from above and get both types of data. So it's just a really like rich data set of how they're sleeping every night. That sounds cool. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. Hopefully it'll work out. <laughs> Interested to see how that project turns out. Yeah, definitely. They're doing a great job so mm -hmm. far. We're very excited. Do you have any fun stories from any of the puppies or oh maybe after they've graduated? <laughs> so many. <laughs> they just are all so funny and they all look the same. Mm -hmm. When people come into visitor hours, they're like, are they all from the same litter? Like, are they all like identical twins? Because like <laughs> most of them are black lab mixes right now. We have mm -hmm. the one yellow one done but it's so funny because they all just have such like really distinct personalities mm -hmm. and it's been so fun this whole semester to like see all their personalities come mm -hmm. out like gilda is the sweetest one she literally sleeps all the time you have to wake her up in the morning to like get her to come up to go to school like she doesn't mm -hmm. want to get up ethel on the other hand she's just so crazy and like sassy and like always is ordering all the other puppies around they're very entertaining it's a very <laughs> exhausting day-to-day -day existence like caring for them but seeing their different personalities has been so fun well great. thank you for talking with me it was great being the area. I've only ever met them outside in the mm -hmm. little playpen. So it was yeah. nice seeing the dogs in training and in school. Yes. It was really cute. Um, <laughs> yeah. So thank you for talking with me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thank you. Well, hey, everybody. My name is Fran Romano. I am back here with the Engineering 101 team, the Blue Hounds, and the Foundry Lab Manager, Ali Stocks. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank Hello. You. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I'm Darwin Moore. I'm sort of hopping back and forth between mechanical and civil engineering, and I am from Mesa, Arizona. Hi, everyone. I'm Madison Jaffrey. I'm looking at mechanical or electrical and computer engineering, and I'm from Pasadena, California. I'm Bryce Fitzpatrick. I am from Austin, Texas, and I'm looking into mechanical engineering. I'm Maya Reeves. I'm from Weddington, North Carolina, and I'm a prospective BME major. I'm Allie Stocks. I'm from South Haven, Mississippi, and I am the lab manager here in the Foundry. Great. Thanks for all being here. I am Mecky myself, so I will shamelessly plug that you should all be Mecky. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start off, and if one of you can just like tell me a little bit more about this project that you're doing. 
Yeah. So essentially, Ali, our lab manager, she has this dog sport that she goes to called IGP. And what ends up happening is that there's only really enough room in the lot for one dog to be training at a time. But a lot of the trainers want to go there on the weekend to train their dogs. And so it'll end up being the case that Ali has her dogs, Prudence and Soli, in her car for these extended periods of time. And especially during North Carolina summers, that can end up being really uncomfortable for these dogs as the heat index inside the car rises. And what Ali has been doing about this in the past has been using battery-powered fans to just sort of keep the air moving, try to keep the dogs a little bit more comfortable. But this isn't a very long-term or efficient solution. Batteries die pretty frequently. It's inconvenient to change them out. It doesn't cool down the car very efficiently. And so what she asked us to do was to come up with a solution that was a bit more ergonomical, fit her car a little bit better, didn't require as much upkeep. And so we've just spent the last month or so going through the iterative design process, trying to come up with something that suits her needs, will keep the dog safe and comfortable. Awesome. That sounds really exciting, actually. Yes, Uh, it's been a great time. (laughs) Yeah. Can you paint more of a picture of what these dogs are like? Big dogs, small dogs? Sure. I have two dogs. Sully is a 65-pound Belgian Malinois. And Prudence is a five and a half month old German Shepherd puppy who is feisty and crazy and tearing up my house all the time. (laughs) We are training for IGP. IGP is a bite work sport. So we do bite work, um, obedience and tracking training. And so we do that every week, Tuesdays and Saturdays. And if you're lucky, you can actually meet Prue in the foundry because sometimes she hangs out here during the day. That is true. She is in my office right now. That's awesome. And just to clarify, bite work doesn't mean that they should bite. It means that they should not bite. Oh, no, they, they bite people. Oh, it's on purpose. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, that is the goal of the sport is, like, she gets to bite people. Violence is the answer. <laughs> in, in, a, in a, like, totally controlled and safe way, there's, they, they wear a sleeve, there's an arm protection. It's very controlled. Oh, wow. Okay, this is way more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Is this like a self-protection thing or? No, it's a, it was originally founded as a breed standard for German shepherds in Germany, where they had to do these three things. So they had to be able to track people. They had to be able to obey their handlers. So obedience. And then they had to perform bite work to apprehend subjects. It's frequently used for police dogs or it used to be in Germany. And now it is just a sport that people do for fun to show their dog skills. That's super cool. Thank you. (laughs) I hope I'm not on the receiving end. No, no. That would never happen. Okay, great. I'd love to hear more about this design process and you guys' like ideation and proposed solutions. So we started with a decomposition flowchart and just broke down different parts of the solution and what we were thinking we were going to look at from how we were going to power it, what type of cooling method we wanted to do, air circulation, water circulation. And then we just took 15 minutes and brainstormed on index cards and came up with about 90 incomplete solution ideas. From there, we broke it down into categories that had appeared and did a morph matrix to create complete solutions. We created about seven. And then after going through a puke screening matrix, um, we came up with three candidate solutions that we wanted to pursue. One of them we decided not to pursue after talking with Allie because it involved using her car's AC system, which just isn't viable with her car. It's not very strong. It's a lot of work to like rechange the wiring. It's just not really viable for our timeline and what Ali wants. So instead, what we're looking at is two solutions that involve water circulation and then using a solar chimney. 
And the solar chimney is basically it's this tube that would go in the window of the vehicle. And as the top of this tube heats up from solar radiation being absorbed, it heats up the air around this, which rises and creates a vacuum near the top of the tube, which creates suction inside of the car, and it creates circulation through the car. Wow, that is a really cool idea. Where did you find that? Whenever we were in the research and development stage, we had seen a lot of scholarly articles and research papers about passive air circulation and passive cooling of things, specifically light cars. And that was something that came up often. The main issues with it are that it's not super aesthetically pleasing, and you don't necessarily want to be driving around with something like that on your car. But because the car will be stationary while the dogs are training, it's a viable solution. What was the wackiest idea someone had? Somebody suggested that we turn the dogs into popsicles, not give them popsicles, <laughs> cryogenically freeze them so that they stayed cool. Or I think Maya suggested we just create an ocean that would follow Allie's car around and just draw water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alter reality, you know? Yeah, you know. That's they got good. Some of the box of me. <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite parts of Engineering 101 is these wacky ideas like sound crazy, but then you get actual ideas from them. <laughs> a lot of our water circulation ideas came from thinking about bodies of water and ice and different types of cooling we'll already use. Wow, they might turn your dogs into popsicles. A little worrisome. <laughs> no, now that we've met them, they're too cute. All right, we, we can't just freeze them in place. Yeah. So have you done testing with the dogs yet? Not with the dogs. We have done some low fidelity prototypes that have yet to be scaled to the car. And just to quickly plug Engineering 101, because I don't know if everyone knows what this is, but this is my favorite course. It's a freshman design course where you're put there your fall of your freshman year. And within like a week, you have people from around the Durham community, businesses, researchers from the Duke hospitals come and present some problem that they have. And then teams of freshman students get together and design a solution to this problem. What are the next steps? So we're going to continue prototyping and get a higher fidelity prototype that actually will be scaled up and we can test it out in the car. Right now we're working on working with the weather to try to actually get it hot enough that we can test the cooling effect of our devices. Fall is coming, it's getting chillier quick. So just working on the next prototyping stages really. Yeah, I guess in the fall and winter, you can just roll the windows down. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that is the stretch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good solution. Well, cool. That was all super interesting. I learned a lot today. And I thank you all for being on the show. Yeah, of thank course. You. Thank, thank you for you. having us. Okay, and it is Becky with Grant and Priya. And just uh, as a closing, we had some really interesting conversations. I actually did not know where we were going to go with this Pets on Campus. And I don't think maybe any of us knew. And we talked to people that had a rat as a pet. Mm -hmm. And Grant, that was unusual, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was a really fun interview. It's someone I've been close friends with who I've never talked to too much about her rat before, but I learned the backstory of that and some of the fun motivations and fun things she did with it. My favorite part of that was actually when she talked about how she used some of her 3D printing skills to print rat toys, because apparently PLA is a really good material that rats can chew on, but they know not to eat. And so she's had a really fun time putting her engineering skills to use having a pet. I also thought it was cool. She talked about the mental health benefits of just having a little companion to be with you whenever you get back to your dorm. Something that's relatively low maintenance like a rat means she can go away for a long weekend if she needs to, but whenever she comes back, needs a little late night study break or something like that, she can play with Mr. Rat. So. It was a real fun conversation. Great. Okay. And then Priya, you had two interesting conversations. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I talked with Ethan Nugget, and then I also talked with Gabby from the K9 Calm Mission Center. And those were both great. We had pretty long conversations, even beyond what ended up making the final cut. But yeah, I talked to Keith, and you know, I've always walked by him and Nugget on the quad, and it always makes my day. And I got to learn some of their history and background. I didn't know Keith. He's like a super alumni. He's like super Duke. Like his parents, his grandparents, like everybody went to Duke, and he went to Duke, and, and his dog. Yeah, they've been here forever. And they go to all the events and he hinted at some uh, Nugget Halloween photos that I'm looking forward to seeing. And the Cognition Center was also pretty cool to talk about their research and how their program works. They're kind of doing research on puppies before they get trained to be service dogs to see if they can find traits that aren't indicative of if they'd be a good service dog or not. So that's pretty interesting. I love that thinking again, how this podcast took some twists and turns, not just the students that have pets, but how pets are also part of our Duke community and talking about Nugget and just seeing Mr. Rat, right? Like getting the lift up, even if it's not our animal is pretty awesome. Yeah, I remember actually my freshman year for a week, I'm pretty sure part of the rat introduction seminar thing that we had to go to, they like talked about the Canine Clonation Center for a bit. So that was kind of like a, this is one of the benefits of being at Duke. We have this program. It's both for research and also just for kids' mental health. They were talking about how the women's basketball team gets one of the puppies like every week so that's awesome they're so cute and even myself just going on a run around east campus and seeing everybody from the community that bring their to campus i think that's always a pick-me-up and a great thing to see especially when the weather's as gorgeous as it is now i agree This Engineering Life is brought to you and supported by the Pratt School of Engineering at Duke University. A special thanks to all of our interviewees for sharing their experiences. Our senior producer is Dr. Rebecca Simmons. Our editor is Priya Juarez and Reina Rubinsky. Our theme music is from Silverman Sound, Audionautics, and Kevin McLeod. Be sure to check back in two weeks when we'll be chatting with the Duke Pratt community about women in STEM. You can find this episode and more resources online at thisengineeringlife.com. I'm Fran. I'm Priya. I'm Raina. And I'm Grant. And thanks for tuning in to today's episode of This Engineering Life. We'll see you again next week.